0: One of the mm. biggest design challenges was writing my character in such a way that didn't make players too sympathetic towards me, because I'm sympathetic towards myself, because it's me, and I <laughs> right. think I'm a good person, and so I want to write myself as a good person, but I don't actually want to write myself as a good person, I want to write this character that's based on myself that has problems, because mm. I'm interested in like both characters being problematic. <laughs> Hi everybody, this is Soren Johnson and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Our guest is Nina Freeman, an independent game developer, best known for her personal vignette games, How Do You Do It?, freshman year, and the upcoming Sybil. Nina works at Fulbright, doing level design and environmental storytelling on Tacoma. Today's interview is conducted by Adam Saltzman, director of Finji, an indie developer and publisher. Adam is best known for creating Cannibalt and is currently working on Overland. <laughs>
1: weren't like we weren't trying to like define games yesterday but we were trying to like figure out like where is like when we say interactive Mm -hmm. are we talking about interactive in the sense of your understanding of a thing changes or are Mm -hmm. we talking about you are like in a concrete way pushing on a system and having it push back right um and it yeah it feels like a really blurry line sometimes Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i can see that
1: Um, but um so, yeah, so I went ahead and hit record because I thought all the things you were saying were really interesting. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, normally, the way I start these is um, I ask the people I'm talking to to sort of introduce themselves. Yeah. Um, so, uh, short intro and talk about um, some of the projects that you have worked on or mm-hmm. some of the things you're interested in. I'm going to sit here and take some notes. Cool. Um, but you can ignore me. Um, they're just things so, so I don't forget to ask yeah. about things that I think are interesting. And I'm, um, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, Okay, so I'm Nina Freeman. Uh, I um, worked on a game called How Do You Do It? I did design for that. Um, It's here in the IGF this year. And I currently work at Fulbright. Um, I'm like a level designer and story person on Tacoma, their current project. Um, And I, in my personal work, I make a lot of vignette games. So currently I'm working on Sybil, which you just played. Um, which is a vignette game about a girl who meets a guy online and decides to meet up with him to have sex. And, yeah, I'm working on I'm in the middle of working on that, so that's fun. <laughs> totally normal video game yeah. territory. Yeah, I know. Right? No, I always feel like I'm getting used to saying it, but <laughs> saying it to people that are, like, outside of NYU and stuff, where I was largely working on this to begin with, yeah. saying it to people outside of that sphere, I've been, like, Oh, this is weird again. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, how many swords do you get in it? That's the question. I know, right? Um, uh, so yeah, so how do you do it is great. It's, um uh, do you want to describe it really quick for sure. anybody who has not played it? Like, if you haven't played it, just Google it, and it'll be the first thing that comes up, and you can get the most of the vignette experience in, like, Three minutes or something. It's like a
0: one minute game. Yeah. I think. Literally. Yeah, Wait, like, it's timed, so it is yeah. like a, a minute, I think. Um
1: it's it's a really good minute. Thanks. But yeah, d- <laughs> the d- like quick so. description of sure. it just in case. Yeah.
0: Uh, so how do you do it is a game that I worked on with Joni Kataka, Deki Koss, and Emmett Butler. We made a global game jam last year. And it's a game about a little girl whose mom goes out to run an errand, and the little girl is wondering how sex works, so she decides to try and figure that out by taking her dolls, her naked dolls, and banging them together to try and figure out how sex works between two people. Um, and it's based on childhood memory, because I used to do that one when I was like 12. <laughs> well, the, and the
1: dolls have this kind of like floppy rag yep. doll thing going <laughs> out with their limbs, yep. and uh, the... The motion has a lot of nuance to it where you are controlling both the child's hands at once, Mm -hmm. but it's not totally linear. Like when you get close, she kind of like smacks them together for you. There's a force. And she's sort of like (laughs) narrating this thing as she's going. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, my favorite part is the ending, but I don't want to spoil it. Just go play this thing for like a minute. And (laughs) the ending is just really marvelous. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I don't even know any specific... I guess... uh, uh, one of the things that strikes me about how do you do it is that um, uh, it's uh, it's extremely short. Um, when people complain about, you know, oh, this game is too long or this game is too short, they usually yeah. mean I wanted it to be 30 hours and it was only 14, <laughs> yeah. right? As opposed to like 84 seconds or something like yeah. that. Um, I think that's interesting. And I think it's interesting that it's, um, uh, it's really funny, but it's not... Uh, it's not that it's a, a joke game, there's something else, like, running underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know exactly what that is.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, was, I don't, I didn't intend this when I was making it, because I kind of just made it suddenly, I guess. Like, I was with my partner Emmett at a bar, and we were talking about childhood stories, and I told him the story. And Global Game Jam was the next day, and we were like, "Remember that story we were talking about last <laughs> night? That would make a good game." Because uh, I was like, it's "So visceral, I can just imagine it already." Uh, so that's sort of how it came up. And you know, we were like, "Oh, it's a funny story," but I was also just like, "This is such a like big memory I have. Like, it's just something that kind of has always stuck with me." You know, you have a lot of experiences in your childhood, not all of them stick with you like that yeah. to the point where you want to like really recreate it. And yeah. I think that people find it funny, at least in my opinion, because of the honesty of it. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Like, it is just actually what I did, which, in the context of childhood, like, is kind of funny. Because as an adult, you're like, oh, yeah, like, we all know how this works. And we're yeah. just going to watch this kid, like, fumble around and mess up. and yeah. I think everyone can kind of, like, relate to that in some way. To be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was, like, trying to figure stuff out. And there's, like, humor in that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's not really a joke, like, a gag game or anything.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't it, And it, it doesn't have that feel at all. And it's, it's like, sort of... Uh, and it's, like, the games are, like, these three parts. There's, like, a little bit of a setup, and then there's mm-hmm. kind of the main thing, and there's this kind of little bit of payoff thing at the end. And um, there's sort of... There's, like, an automatic tension to it mm-hmm. in a weird way. Almost, not, like... Uh, I want to call it, like, a stealth game, right? I mean, it kind no,
0: of is. People it kind describe it as Yeah,
1: like, it's sort of a stealth game, which is sort of interesting. And so, like, you've got... That, I think that's one of the things that um, makes it so interesting that it's a little tiny vignette, but, um, you know, like, one minute with a normal game means that you're still on, like, the fourth middleware logo. Yeah. Right? As opposed to here, where, like, you're 16 seconds in, you're like, oh, here's, uh, here's the setup. I'm feeling, like, dramatic tension. I am, like, already... Uh, relating to this um, this person, even though I didn't have the same experience, like I'm, there's this this is a class yeah. experience kind of. Which mm-hmm. um, I think is really neat. Uh, yeah,
0: and now that I think about it, actually, I think because you're right, not everyone can relate to it, and I think that another part of the humor of it is that it makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're uncomfortable, often we laugh because there's like a wanna, slight like, sense of like
1: I think. <laughs> Um, I'm curious if you think that it matters that the main character is um is a girl instead of a boy, yeah, and that that makes it maybe like slightly more taboo or slightly more
0: uncomfortable yeah for I people. definitely think it is because is 'cause I've noticed like i mean obviously, if you think about like culture, girls are uh you know told not to talk about sex explicitly. Whereas with young boys, you know, they're making sex jokes. I don't know. It's just more of a thing. They're like, boys will be boys, I guess is the phrase. And you don't get, like, a girls will be girls phrase. Because girls (laughs) can't be, like, themselves because they're, like, sort of shoved into this little box. And they're not supposed to talk about sex. At least that's how I was raised. Um, And I think that many other girls were raised that way. So yeah, I think it the character being a girl definitely uh, makes a difference there because like, otherwise people would be like, oh, boys will be boys, and they yeah. just move on. <laughs> I think I feel like this is
1: like part of the like the weird like the murky depth underneath the kind of because um, there's a very accessible, obvious like sort of uh, surface humor that is just uh, joyful in a way, mm-hmm. but then there is this there's this weird thing. It doesn't feel like a joke game. It doesn't feel like a thing that's trivializing something. So I think there's this kind of murkier thing that's like, uh, oh, this joke is based on the idea that, um, uh, uh, you know, growing, a uh, girls growing up to be women is this thing that is full of obstacles. Like, that's encoded in the joke. Yeah. Which makes it a pretty good joke.
0: Yeah. And, like, it's <laughs> actually interesting because...
1: How, like, what other game, like, how else would you, like, um, we talk about mechanics as meaning mm-hmm. a lot. And the idea of, okay, let's design a game where the mechanics um, really, you know, Papers, Please style, get across this idea that there's some things you can do and some things you can't do. But, like, this does it in, like, 20 seconds. It was pretty cool. I try.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think what really helps it is that it is just a very visceral memory of mine. Like, it's sort of a memory with a very physical manifestation that is something that, like, banging dolls together is something that a game can capture so well. Like, because yeah. you can really put, like... I mean, the controls are deliberately like this, with your hands kind of positioned like this. Because I'm like, if you're holding the dolls, you're going to be holding them like this. So I want their hands to be on the keyboard like that, too. Yeah. To mirror that. Yeah. So, like, I was trying to make everything true to that, while also adding in things like the quick... Uh, yes, yeah, so the controls, things. the way that
1: you... Just for total clarity, like, mm-hmm. the you control the girl's two hands with buttons that are, like, on opposite sides of the keyboard mm-hmm. to simulate, like, to actually put you, the player, yeah. in a similar position to the character in the game physically. Yeah, so
0: you move the dolls with WASD and you rotate them with J and K. So you're yeah. not, like, it's not, like, it's left not like is like on one, 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 to one. Or, Yeah, but it's sort of, like... It gives you that feeling you have to at sit least, there. yeah. Because yeah, it would yeah. be kind of confusing to mix the rotation with the movement controls. I think, we, so I wanted would, to keep yeah them that separate. would
1: be proper Ben territory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right? true.
0: Maybe it would have made it more awkward. I don't know, <laughs> but I did want to separate them deliberately because yeah. I also don't think rotating. You can do either one and not the other if you want. I just yeah. wanted to give them the option to have both. I guess because you know yeah. it adds uh, dimension to I it. And
1: thought about the actual like physical. Placement of arms and hands as yeah. the, of the player mm-hmm. as being part of that. But yeah,
0: that's definitely part of that. Um, and, hmm. you know, I was thinking a lot about, like, how to. Like, I was wondering, like, with adding the. Uh, when she bangs the dolls together, you said you noticed that when her hands come together, they kind of bang together. Like of fast. Magnetic, yeah. Kind yeah of like a, a magnet, yeah. Pop. So, like, I put in things like that because I knew that. That's part of being like nervous when you're a kid, when you're like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. You're like, Ugh, yeah. and you just kind of like rush I to do to it. Close, you don't want to get caught. So like, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Exactly. So I was like, how can I take her hand movements and evoke like anxiety in that yeah. way? So there was a lot of like sort of tuning of her, just how her hands move. Yeah. And like sometimes the rotation controls will switch randomly on you to kind of confuse the player even more. I basically <laughs> was doing everything I could to. Confused to make the player not feel confused about how to play the game, but to feel as confused as the little, yeah. little girl, you know, because she's yeah. like, "What sex?" And if I kind of mess with the controls in that way, I can kind of like evoke yeah. that. So there was a lot of stuff that I was trying hmm. to do with the hand movement, I guess.
1: But. Oh man, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like you know, when there's. Um, uh, all these other like I like super high fidelity quote unquote stealth games where you're like a some kind of awesome dude going through corridors or whatever, yeah. and um, and they try really good controls that are easy to memorize or uh, uh, they often um, I feel like they don't have that like there's never a part where like the character's hands are getting sweaty and mm-hmm. that's coming across yeah. physically in the controls I I think. Um, I think Shadow of the Colossus maybe started, like, flirting with a little bit of this, where um, the, you know, you spend a lot of time clinging to things. Mm -hmm. You have to just sit there and, like, hold down this button with your fingers. Yeah. uh, And just sit there and do that for, like, like, you have to do that for three minutes right now. And your hands get tired. And now, like, you have, there's a little bit of a thing sinking up there Mm -hmm. and... They did the thing with the heartbeat in the girl's hand in Eco, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, like it just brings you a little closer to yeah. the
0: physical experience Yeah, like you're like crossing mm-hmm. some kind of little boundary yeah, there. Yeah, I really like when games do that. Um,
1: hmm.
0: I mean, that's kind of like what I'm trying to do with Sybil, actually. With the transition from, you know, in the beginning there's the short film where you see the girl sitting there and then suddenly you're looking at her desktop. So it's sort of like here's a character. Okay, now you're way close to her. You're literally yeah. in her desk. You're like and looking like from her perspective at her desktop. So that's kind of like it's not really a control so much as thinking about like perspective. And I think those are Well, and in. Isla
1: so uh, uh, I mean it's if- Thing a year or two ago that has a very similar perspective, Mm -hmm. where the whole game is a computer monitor, and the only controls you have are the handful of controls that affect the things on the on the monitor. Mm -hmm. And there is something about that that um, I don't. I haven't been able to figure out if everybody is open to it or not. But people who are open to that and interested in that, like it's not done very much. This isn't a thing that's out there very much. And so when you play, uh, uh, when you when you're playing Sybil and you're sitting at a computer with a mouse and the game that you're playing is about a person sitting at a computer with a mouse doing things, yeah, yeah like, the, uh, the way in which you're synchronized, <laughs> kind of, with them is really interesting. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, one of the things with the player character embodiment stuff that I sort of, like, you know, because I made the game, I also wrote, like, a thesis paper, so I was kind of writing about this. Like, with the, yeah, the physical mirroring of, like, the girl sitting there and the person's, the player sitting there playing as her. I was like, that's basically, I don't know, as far as I know, that's the closest I can get them to her as a character. Yeah. Just to, like, make them sit there and do it. this was, like, a big deal
1: when Oculus Rift stuff started happening. Mm -hmm. They're like... Kind of the only way this makes sense is if all the games that we make for this thing are about people sitting in chairs. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, otherwise we can't really do it. Like, it's not going to make sense. There's going to be... You're missing something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, probably the the Oculus Rift game that seems to work the most is you're a spaceship pilot Mm -hmm. where you sit in a chair the whole time. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, like... It's finishing the picture right. pretty well.
0: Or that, like, bomb diffusal game. Did you yeah. Find that? that one's another good one because you're like, yeah, you're sitting there diffusing a bomb. You have to sit yep. there and do it. <laughs> yep, yep.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's not, uh, um, yeah, so I don't know. So I, uh, I haven't, I definitely have not thought as much explicitly about this sort of weird gap between, um, I was talking to Tim about this a little bit, uh, Tim Rogers a few days ago, about he hates being a person in a game.
0: He's going to hate it so. almost, well, no, but no, I think he won't. I think he I won't. Hope so. I th-
1: The thing that he doesn't like is when the game is like, here, you're a person controlled by this weird controller thing. Oh, right. Go, okay. like, run, the, like, he doesn't, I don't think he likes avatars.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of, yeah.
1: I think is what he was getting at on this idea of being a human mm-hmm. and it. I'm suspicious if it's that. If it's these weird, like, all of the things that the game is asking you to do. All Mm -hmm. of the assumptions it's asking you to make.
0: Yeah. I feel like with a lot of those games, like, I don't even think of it as... I think often the intention is, like, the player will become this character that is the avatar on the screen. Yeah. But I always feel like I'm controlling a character when I play games like that. I don't feel like I am the character like I'll empathize with them for example which is something that's really powerful and important to do but I don't usually feel like I'm really like I'm living the story which is what I really wanted to try to do with Sybil because I think that that is something that's not done very often I think you know a good example of a game that does it really well is Christine Love's digital love story that's Um. one that I think really does it well because it's sort of similar to Sybil I think they're sort of in the same vein of like you're a character sitting at a computer. You don't see the character. Yeah. But what she does that's, that I love is when you, you know, you're, have you played it before? I have not. You should. It's amazing. Yeah, You no. are, you got your first computer. It's the 80s. The person who gave it to you is like, here's a BBS number. You should dial in and check it out. So you can dial into a BBS and you can chat with people there. But you can never see the messages you send to people. You can only infer what the message was based on the reply that you get. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you are suddenly... Kind of sitting there replying and like having relationships with all these people, but you're sort of painting the picture of that character in your own head because you're you're There's not like a silent protagonist text. making yeah, sense, yeah. exactly. So it really makes you kind of sit there by like having an absent avatar and by like sitting having the computer be about some having the game be about someone sitting at a computer dialing into BBS's and yeah. stuff. I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm this character. Yeah,
1: I never closed that gap in capsule, I made it as far as. You can find messages from other people that Mm -hmm. had gotten stuck uh, on disconnected servers, basically. Mm -hmm. You could find those things, but I never, yeah, I never even came close to getting it to that point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Christine did really well with that in in digital. It was a really good game.
1: That's cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, uh, how do you do it? Is a, a vignette game. Yeah. And Sybil is a vignette game, yes. and um, uh, I think to some extent that capsule thing that I was that I built was sort of a vignette game. Like the maximum amount of time you can spend with that is about two hours. I don't think I've played but, capsule before, actually. Um, it has a little bit of overlap with some of these things, but it's not. Oh. Uh, it's like way more about geometry and audio. Kind okay. Of. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, and then there were a lot of things, that it, non-commercial things that I made years ago that I think fit this vignette game thing. And I'm, I was wondering what is it about that format, like, like that short, like, really short experience mm-hmm. that is so, um, like, attractive or interesting?
0: Yeah. I, so, when I think about vignette games, you use the word short. So... For me, vignettes are more... So I come from poetry, and there's a pretty strong tradition of vignettes in poetry, so that's sort of like the the working definition that I came to games with. Mm-hmm. And so the way I've sort of developed it for myself, and I believe like, the dictionary definition of a vignette is a short account description or something. It uses those words. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of interpreted that in my own work to mean like, a character study or a, a game that focuses on one scene or one character or one mm-hmm. kind of focused experience so like obviously how do you do it is very short um like a minute long and that's like the vignette of the girl trying to learn how sex works but sybil is going to be more like a half hour long game which is still short i guess by like mm-hmm. standards i guess whatever standard yeah. the s standards i don't know yeah but it's a lot longer than a minute And this is something people have asked me about a lot like, oh, if Sybil's an hour or whatever, like how is that a vignette? And my argument is that it is a game about the one experience of a girl meeting a guy online and Mm -hmm. Meeting up with him and that's like one kind of short account, right? It's like one tiny part of this girl's like larger life story that I'm capturing in the game Um, and you know, arguably the whole game is one vignette Uh, Each act, because there's three acts, that was act one Mm. Um, Each act is like a sub-vignette maybe, or maybe they're their own vignettes I don't know if I've decided how I'm talking about that yet But generally, I mean for it to be a vignette of this one Well, it's uh, it's a personal game too, so it's this one vignette of this experience I had Uh, And that experience is sort of encapsulated as like a vignette in my memory So I'm trying to kind of evoke that Because also I'm not telling it, like, I'm not relating with every minute of this experience. I'm only showing snippets of it enough, just enough to get my ideas across about what was important about this experience. Um, So that said, I guess I am of the opinion that vignettes don't need to be short. They can be any length as long as they are focusing on one thing, like one character, one account. One small thing. Uh, Like Gone Home, I consider to be a vignette game, actually. Because that's Mm -hmm. one focused experience on this girl coming home and exploring her house. That's like one thing, Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. So that's Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, it's sort of like a thing that I work through every day. I always think about (laughs) it because it's like a complicated question, but I guess that's my long answer to, like, what is a vignette? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, I'm also curious, sort of like, um, I guess I mean, this 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 is a very easy question to ask. I'm not sure it's super easy to answer, but it's. I think it's the thing that I'm curious about is like why vignette. Mm-hmm. So something that I was um, one of the earliest Flixel games actually was a thing called Fathom, mm-hmm. which was definitely a vignette game. Cool. And It made some people kind of angry, but that's, <laughs> that's cool. It's kind of fun. It wants to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, the whole conceit of Fathom was, uh, like, it made an impeccably crafted pixel art platformer Mega Man level with a boss Mm -hmm. fight, and you die during the boss fight, and then something really weird happens. And it's not a Mega Man game, it's this little weird thing, And, and definitely thought of it in terms of being a poem or whatever. Right. Um, and, uh... It was weird. I haven't made a ton of vignette things since then, and it just felt like I felt like, man, this, I'm doing like, I'm doing a lot of work, and some people are mad at it. <laughs> some people really liked it, but most interesting emails I've ever gotten are from people playing. Oh, that's that thing. awesome. <laughs> so like, it and but it has all these weird. Um, uh, I don't know. I felt like uh, it was a an, like it was an enormous amount of work to. Um, build this very small thing. Right. Like uh, and um, which is weird cuz it's not a small thing for a lot of people it was like it, it expands for them mm-hmm. and becomes a much bigger thing but yeah. I ended up feeling weird about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it sounds pretty similar to my experience with how do you do it in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except we really we only worked on that game for 3 days, but it felt like it took 5 years off my life or something. <laughs> it was yeah. a lot.
1: Well, I look at it, I'm like, oh, like, oh I've got, you know, a few months to make a game. I make sure it has, like, really good replay so people can spend a lot of time yeah. with it. And then that way I'm, you know, uh, not working, not doing a, an impossible amount of work, and then it's going to make this thing that mm-hmm. people can engage with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nature of these things is the, I think, is the initial, the physical engagement is very short. Mm-hmm. And then the mental engagement, like this weird process of having like psychically distributed a memory Mm -hmm. is like a longer period of engagement i Mm -hmm. guess i don't know
0: yeah i don't know it's i think that often or at least with how do you do it in my experience you know people don't really i don't think they replay it very much but sometimes they do but generally i found that when people play it sometimes they'll turn to me and be like now I'm gonna think about this game all day, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whoa. <Well. laughs> so yeah, and it's kind guess, of
1: misleading. You're like, well, it's it's is it? It's not really technically a short game anymore. Yeah, if, then it's
0: a bigger thing. Yeah, so I know what you it's mean in your head in for a day. Terms.
1: Yeah, it's not in your head for a minute.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm always surprised like people are still writing about it. I'm like, how are you like <laughs> what? <laughs> but anyways, I guess you were asking why I like want to make vignette games and. That's a really good question. I think, it's argument, actually like, I would hard say, I would
1: like the the devil's advocate thing would be like, well, it's an enormous amount of work to yeah. make something that's short and has no replay. So mm-hmm. why bother?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Like I said before, my background's in poetry. So I, you know, I studied under a poet called Charles North, who uh, I guess is associated with the New York School poets. They're like a post beat generation. So like after Allen Ginsberg and all those poets. Mm-hmm this was sort of the next wave in the New York scene. And they, a lot of the work that I studied from them was very much like vignettes and little snapshots of life. Um, Like I'm trying to think of an example, like Frank O'Hara is a good example. He's like super famous um, poet. He wrote a a book called the lunch poems and they were all poems he wrote on his lunch break. And a lot of them are just like, one of my favorite ones is just, he's walking down the street and he writes down everything he sees. And Hmm. so I got really interested in that kind of work when I was more heavily like writing poetry as like my main thing that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I started making games, I was still thinking about those things, and I had written a lot of poetry about my personal life in the sort of vignette style, just like everyday life experience stuff. And I then I played dysphoria, and I was just like, oh, I could do this in games too, and that actually sounds per- potentially even more appealing than poetry for me in a lot of ways. Because hmm. I was like, now I can take these ideas like, that I write down in my poems and I can sort of design these experiences that, you know, I've always been interested in games and I was like, I really want to take these poems and the idea that I, ideas that I've been developing as a poet and just sort of like take them to games. Cause I saw dysphoria and I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. And I think this is something that I really want to do. Cause that hmm. game really like moved me. Um, so yeah, I guess I played that and then I played like, I don't, I don't know if I consider Kentucky Red, I don't think Kentucky Red Zero is a vignette game, but like a Maybe. game like that that has like a really like strong writing and is a lot like very poetic in a lot of ways. I started yeah. playing games like that and I was like, oh, okay, so I can kind of mix my two, like all the time I spent studying and writing poetry, I can kind of use that to make games, which was hmm. really appealing to me. Um, hmm. And I think I'm still sort of riding that wave of ideas that I had from that part of my life, um, and I think it's been really formative for, like, me as a game designer to be able to think in terms of, like, poetry and also game design and how they can inform each other. Yeah. Um, especially because of how much time I've spent thinking and writing vignettes. Huh.
1: That's interesting. So, um, I, cause I think a lot of, on the, I feel like on the surface, um, I don't know, I've never thought about it before, about the ways in which, um, I think it would be a hard sell in some ways to, out of the blue, say, like, well, Gone Home and Dysphoria have a lot in common. And I think they actually might have an enormous amount of stuff in common Yeah, they do.
0: I think they have some stuff in common. Yeah. I don't know if I could say. Um, I wrote about both of them in my thesis, (laughs) 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 which is about vignette games, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Um... uh, when it, and it's kind of it, so I feel like this comes from a um uh mix, I used to like uh mod fps levels uh, cool. in college or whatever <laughs> and um really quickly um start um you know loving the idea of why, uh what in a AAA game we would call environmental storytelling, right? Right. Um, and I'm playing Half
0: Life Two for the first time. Oh man! So now I'm thinking about. I mean, I worked. i yeah. Write something about it too. There, but playing yeah. Half Life, I'm like, or Half Life Two, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> this some, is why some people are crazy there. about this game. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things in there. Yeah,
0: um, very inspiring. I love it.
1: Yeah, and even and my, it's terrible, but my like my favorite environmental storytelling ever is. It's a sort of Quake 2, which is not otherwise a particularly environmentally storytelling game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do not like Quake 2. the opening scene is there's just a hole in the roof and an open like escape pod behind you. Mm-hmm. That's it. You don't see it. If you don't turn around, you don't see it. If you just run forward, you'd never see it. But yeah. if you do turn around, somebody went in and did something that was a really big hassle in that level editor environment at the time and like meticulously crafted this hole in the roof and this escape pod and this rubble and the door open and there's not even like particle effects attached to it or anything it's just like and it's not a 3D model it's like just hacked out of the awful old mesh system that they were using for the actual wow. uh, <laughs> I wonder
0: who did that. What yeah, I don't the...
1: know. It, it's just this weird, nice... And I think it was, you know, I think they were starting to get, like... They were starting to understand that things like Half-Life were on the way. Right. Um, but it was just this weird, clumsy, funny thing. But it was, like... It had that tip of the iceberg thing where it didn't need an opening cinematic or anything anymore. It's just like, oh, that's a thing that I came out of. I'm mm-hmm. doing the thing. Uh, but I, like, I've always thought of that as being sort of almost like a weird, like getting bored doing level design and just wanting to put anything in there to yeah. make it not a big square room, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to coming from poetry, even though these things are kind of working toward the same goal. Um, that's not really a question, but, um, <laughs> like... yeah, I
0: mean, in my mind, like the, the thing that I've taken from poetry is just the ability to communicate information using as like little as possible, like with very little to work with. Cause you mm-hmm. know, I'm not the type of game designer that wants to just like fill a world to the brim with stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not super interested, like, I like those games and I'll play them, but I just don't, I want to be able to, like, tell a story in a very minimal way. And Mm -hmm. I just, I want people to get to the point, you know, quickly or, like, ramp it in the right way to set the tone. Do you know what I mean? Like, because with poetry, you know, you can write really long poems, but my, the kinds of things I like to write were pretty short and small. Um, And I always found that kind of work where you could see so much through so few words. I really kind of am into that. Um, You know, like, it's kind of stereotypical, of like haiku, it's like, great, it's so beautiful that you can, like, be so expressive with so little. Um, So something that I've brought from poetry has been that, where, like, you know, the example you just brought up is really interesting because it's such a tiny thing to do. To just have this like a skate pod in the background. Yeah, it's
1: a very very small part of the level. Yeah, but it but says it's a so much. Pain in the butt to build. Yeah, and yeah, and it has it carries a lot of kind of. It doesn't have a lot of deep meaning,
0: mm-hmm. but, but it has impact. Yeah, and it, it gives the player more context and. Just well, your imagination more is suddenly going. Yeah.
1: You're like you're like closing a bunch of gaps. Which yeah. is sort of satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I guess yeah, that's like I mean, with how do you do it? For example, like. I was like, what am I trying to say? Like, what is this story? What, what is it? And I was like, it's just this tiny thing. Like, I don't need to do anything else. Like, this mm-hmm. is it. What else am I going to say? Like, I just need to say it in as few words as possible. And that's why I decided it should be so tiny. <laughs> Whereas yeah. with Sybil, yeah. it requires some more ranting to get across the story But, you know, each story is different, so you need to sort of put a different amount each time. And it's... Poetry definitely taught me how important it is to figure out what that is, you know? Which I guess maybe relates to, like, scoping, but, like, that's a little different. I don't know. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's very vague. Yeah. (laughs) But something about communicating information using as few words as possible.
1: Yeah, well, I wonder wonder how much of it is the... um, I... Like some kind of basic requirement, like uh, you're like, oh, this this vignette is about um, like smacking two dolls together, mm-hmm. um, and like the minimum amount of time that that takes, you could probably boil it on how many times can you do that? Like mm-hmm. you do it like thirty times. That's the amount of time that we yeah. need to do this. Yeah, but to um, you know, uh, doing a human relationship being established and yeah, growing and changing. Mm-hmm. Doing that in thirty seconds, forty seconds, I'm sure someone can do it. Yeah. But it's strictly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very uh, true.
1: And you don't and it's it changes the way that you kind of sit there and uh, I don't know. It felt like in Sybil it feels like there are kind of these intentionally these places that it gives you time to reflect. Um, yeah, like that's deliberate. putting different parts of a poem on different pages of a book or something mm-hmm. so there's just um, uh, encouraging people to sit with a thing consider a variety of things that might be happening mm-hmm. and then go forward And yeah uh,
0: I mean silence especially in a game with such heavy use of Spoken dialogue can be the most powerful thing you can use in the first act that you played There's a lot less use of silence than the other two acts because the first act is more oh. I think It's like that phase in the relationship where they're flirting and they're just kind of like Trying to figure out how to talk to each other. Yeah. which is kind of like a lighter lighthearted kind of interaction to have with another person. Yeah, whereas the second and third acts sort of get down more into the um, core of the thing, which is they're going to meet up and have sex and how is that happening? Like, what are the interactions that lead to that? Which is a little less lighthearted, at least in my depiction of it. It's Mm -hmm. more like uh, awkward and like, it's a lot of negotiation. Like, and those kinds of conversations tend to have a lot of silences. Because people have to process what they're going to say because it has a lot of impact when you're sort of functioning in that context. Um, So, I I mean, I didn't show you the second two acts, so I'm kind of like just talking about this. But (laughs) uh, I use silence a lot more in those two acts because of the nature of the conversation, um, but also a little bit in the first act.
1: Hmm. Uh, So uh, I feel like when people talk about... uh... Level design in games, Um, poetry doesn't come up a lot. Yeah, (laughs) there'd be architecture or (laughs) theater Mm -hmm. uh, or a lot of other things that all are uh, that make a lot of sense. But like um, poetry feels like it makes an enormous amount of sense. It's having to boil down uh, some kind of emotional experience into uh, very few pieces and um, put them in there in a way for the player to. Um, to experience or whatever, um, is that sort of what you are? I don't know how much I don't know how much you can say about what you're doing mm-hmm. at Fulbright now, but is that like sort of your? Is that your job? Is that you the thing that you're doing there?
0: Um, Well, yeah. So I'm doing level design and story there, and I guess you know you can't help when you go to a job, you can't help but bring your own some of your own philosophy. Yeah. So you know I can't talk in specifics, but the way that I like to think about game design is as I've said sort of influenced by my poetry background and I definitely when I'm trying to like write story and like think about characters I think I do two things one I base it off of a lived experience if the character is, like, a person. Mm. So that's a really important part of my process, um, which is why I usually make personal games, because it's the easiest to kind of draw from your own experience. Yeah. So just, that's kind of a side note, not totally related to vignettes, but I think it's important. Hmm. Um, and while also being, like, I have all these ideas for the story, and I have to, the process is just trimming away the cruft and finding the most essential parts of it. Um, so that's sort of my philosophy in general, um, which influences all of my work. I think, um, Mm -hmm. it's just like coming up with as much as possible and sifting through that until I find what works. Yeah. Um, and that's generally how I do story stuff. I think
1: it's sometimes, um, minimalism has this like difficult thing that it tries to negotiate all the time where, um, uh, or trying to figure out, he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, something is done when there's not, when there's no, no more to add, but there's nothing left to take away or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you think that's all about, um, stripping something down, but, uh, and it is about that and that's important. But like you're saying, like, uh, you're trying to boil this thing down to its essence, but the essence might have a lot of silence in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah essence might be extra long and drawn out so that you're like Mm -hmm. sitting with it and processing it in the right order. And I feel like that's really, um, even for people who are drawn to do minimalist design or minimalist game design specifically, it's, uh, kind of counterintuitive maybe, Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it is weird, and I've never thought about myself as a minimalist game designer, but the more I talk about it, the more (laughs) I find myself using that word, especially after doing civil, because a huge part of the process for that was, like, I have to depict this online... Like, first of all, the whole story is kind of weird and, like, complex, because it's like you're playing a girl who's playing a game. That's a lot of layers to have to work with, but I have to work with it. So... I was like, "How do I boil this down so that this makes any sense?" And a huge challenge was like, "I'm trying to evoke this MMO, and MMOs are so heavy, you know, on like menus and just like combat systems and all the stuff that had- inventory." Yeah, yeah, and it has nothing to do with the resources. story that I'm trying to tell. So I was like. First I started building, I was putting that stuff in, and then I was like, this is adding nothing to to the game, which I want to be about this relationship. So I ended up being like, okay, I'm just going to make a minimalist MMO, I guess, where I take out all the, you know, all the HUD and all the chat, like, text chat. I mean, there's a little text chat in Sybil, Mm -hmm. but, like, most of it and, like, all the combat systems, like, you know, Sybil's, like, point and click. It's very simple. You click on an enemy to attack it. That's it. Click to walk. That's it. And once I took out all that cruft, I was playtesting it and I was noticing that people were already like feeling more like they were embodying this character because suddenly they had less stuff distracting them and they were able Hmm. to just sort of focus on the core of the experience that I was trying to evoke. So I was like, okay, I guess this is a minimalist MMO (laughs) suddenly (laughs) that I put in this game. Um, And that was like hugely important to focusing. It feels like it lets you get
1: to the, um, because everyone I know who's um, played in MMO for a while, it was always almost purely social experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, the social experience was always the best when they had... Achieved uh, adequate degree of like technical proficiency Mm -hmm. so that the game was an activity that was happening During the social thing right um, and this lets you do that Really quickly.
0: Yeah, that was the goal. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, my obviously this is an autobiographical game So I'm basing all of it on like memories I have this experience when I played online games I played from ages 14 to 19 so, I have a lot to draw from, so suddenly. <laughs> uh, so, when I was first reflecting to make this game, I was thinking a lot about, like, what was it like playing the MMO? And I, honestly, the most vivid memories I have from the time I spent in that game were of my relationships with people. Like, the drama. <laughs> you know, I was a yeah. teenager. It was like drama every second. And I was playing this <laughs> game with a bunch of teenagers and early 20-year-olds, and some older people, I guess. Uh, and they, yeah, I just formed a lot of, like, really meaningful relationships in that game. And it was a unique time in my life to be doing that because I was so young that they really ended up being very formative relationships like this one. So I think when you have formative relationships like that, they really stick with you and there are moments from that relationship that are just, like, I can almost see it in my head like a film. (laughs) Like, and that's sort of, I, that's Those are often the kinds of memories that I draw on for games. And so, yeah, in thinking about my time spent with this person, the, the uh, game that Sybil is about, I sort of picked out those interactions and built an MMO that would support the player's engagement Which, with those interactions.
1: Yeah, And so this is this going to this sound like a weird idea, but <laughs> like maybe that's a thing that people should do for real. What do you mean? Like, build an MMO that, like, because we talked, like, so we're doing this interview at the GDC, uh-huh. and at the GDC, we have a lot of talks about, maybe less so lately for various reasons, but historically, we have a lot of talks about how to design an MMO. Right. And there's a lot of talk about balancing soft and hard currency, mm-hmm. and um, loop drop rates, yeah. and... um uh, maintaining shards across separate servers. There's a lot mm-hmm. of technical design stuff that is all uh, important for the way that these games are constructed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't remember there ever being, like, an MMO design talk about, like, creating a scaffolding for, like, a meaningful social interaction. Yeah. When everything that everyone who plays these games takes away from these games is meaningful social interaction. Yep. That's, so that's really weird. true. <laughs> that's weird, right? I feel like
0: the only game that's done it... I mean, there are some, like, I think of Second Life. That's a game where it was more focused on the social experience. And mm-hmm. also, do you remember Habo Hotel? I know oh, you yeah. just probably saw me writing about it. Yeah, I, don't know, I was giggling when yeah, I read it, Yeah, that's another one where it was purely for the social interaction. Yeah. And those are, like, the online games that I really... I'm like, yeah, I'll never forget playing those. Because... Yeah. It was all just like, you can't duplicate that experience.
1: Well, it's, it's funny because I think in within, again, at, at the GDC, I think mm-hmm. those things would be uh, maybe dismissed as a, like a quote-unquote glorified chat room yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Not a real game. But the things that people are taking away from playing World of Warcraft for 10 years, uh, like the thing that they're taking away seems really similar. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that... I haven't thought about it very much, but you could probably get into some really interesting design spaces if you just considered the ways that you could help people interact or like... Yeah. Because like like, this
1: happens, and I've heard it happen rarely. This is discussed, but um, my pet example is uh, would be like Team Fortress 2 mm-hmm. where there was a bunch of um, really deliberate design changes that were about... Oh, it's kind of it's like it's a little bit more militaristic sort of thing, but it was like they were having like team cohesiveness problems um, because certain characters were interpreted as being helpful, and then they were being played in a way that was not helpful because the affordances were such that they could do that. Yeah, Uh, and so they would, you know, uh, one example was making it really really hard for the medic to kill people or hurt people so the only thing that they could do that was interesting at all was to go help heal people and as soon as that change was made and the medic wasn't a well-rounded well-balanced class anymore everyone was happier because the (laughs) the class that was perceived to be supporting and helpful was like the only thing they could do that was meaningful was to be supportive and helpful and Mm -hmm. suddenly like all of those things are working together Mm -hmm. um but like i I don't know i've rarely maybe never heard that sort of thing talked about when doing MMO Mm -hmm. design, which is Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. I honestly, like, I think, I haven't really thought about it from that perspective before because I'm so mired just in thinking about my experience in the MMO, but it is interesting to remind myself that when thinking about making this game, I've only really thought about the social interactions, and when thinking about the actual MMO, I'm like, that's minimalist. I just have to strip (laughs) everything away. (laughs) That people, like, think of as being in an MMO. Yeah. You know. I'm like so.
1: super curious if this could be a thing.
0: Yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> real life version of that. Yeah, totally. Um, so this is actually the second time, just today, that someone has brought up the idea that um, uh, writing about or portraying or presenting or designing around a lived experience mm-hmm. being... Um, almost incomparable to trying to do a researched experience. Um, Ben Esposito was talking about it before in sort of the Kachina being sort of a culturally appropriative prototype, eventually growing into Donut County, which is about living in L.A. and being about things that are familiar to Ben, the experiences that he actually lived and putting those in the game instead. Um, And... uh, Uh, like how come research doesn't cut it
0: I think that when making a game that is I think there's a difference between using your personal lived experience in a game versus interviewing people to engage with their lived experience because you know thinking about your own self is like just a different thought process and but when you're Interviewing someone, I think something that's really important to remember is that You should and can use the story of a lived experience of someone other than yourself as long as you interview them and Are engaging more in a dialogue with them rather than just like listening to them once and like taking their stories and putting them in a game Hmm. Like that feels a little weird to me if you just like you're kind of like, okay I'm just gonna use you basically use you for your stories Whereas yeah. I think it's more interesting if you're working on a character and you're kind of like trying to talk through that character with another person that that character is based on.
1: Because
0: hmm. um, then I think it makes it more alive. You know, it's not just like one. It's not just based on one story. It's like you get many dimensions of it. I haven't really. I've been thinking about this live and talked about it before. So I don't have the right words, maybe. But I think it's really important when you're Interviewing someone to like do more of a back-and-forth kind of thing where you're like constantly Mm. talking to them about it And especially important is just like getting consent to even like represent them in a specific way Um, because you know, you don't want to take someone's lived experience and Misrepresent it in a way that is uncomfortable to them because inevitably You are not them. So you're gonna create your own interpretation of their experience But I think it becomes Better and maybe more accurate to how they would would uh, interpret their own lived experience if you engage in that dialogue and really work with them to evoke it in a specific way. And you know, you don't have to use every single specific detail either. You can kind of make your own story using it, Um, but always getting consent for that is really important. Um, So yeah, just engaging with a dialogue, um, in a dialogue with the person and. Reminding yourself that you can go your own way with it. But if you're going to really stick to their story, like really be diligent about getting consent and talking to them over and over and over. Um, Hmm. Whereas if it's just your own experience, then you're already kind of doing that because you're just engaged in a dialogue with yourself about the experience. Yeah. yeah. When you're writing about it, you're learning about it because you're thinking about it so much. So I think that's sort of the similar vein. Trying to figure out what you're
1: writing is conveying. Yeah. Right. the things that you wanted to mm-hmm. convey.
0: Yeah, because it's really easy to even misrepresent yourself. <laughs> yeah, I've run into that problem a lot with Sybil. That's like one of the mm. biggest design challenges was writing my character in such a way that didn't make players too sympathetic towards me. Because I'm sympathetic towards myself because it's me, and I <laughs> right. think I'm a good person. And <laughs> so I want to write myself as a good person, but... I don't actually want to write myself as a good person. I want to write this character that's based on myself that has problems. Cause Hmm. I'm interested in like both characters being problematic and I don't like the black good versus evil kind of thing. Like this is a story about two people in a relationship. Two people in a relationship are always going to have their own problems. Like they're just, no one's perfect and I don't want to represent someone in that way, especially myself. So that has been really challenging. um, Just writing it in such a way that, is very honest as to their interactions and how complex they can be.
1: Hmm. Um, That was a really good answer. Um, (laughs) uh,
0: Yeah, it's like, I think about this stuff a lot because Sybil is a really hard game to talk about. So I really have to like, Talk about it a lot just to get better at talking about it. So I <laughs> deliberately kind of have been doing that. <laughs> so. Yeah, it sounds. It
1: sounds almost like there's um, like a dire risk of like overusing a metaphor. It, it sounds mm-hmm. almost like there's like a, a like an uncanny valley of person mm-hmm. or something where like uh, like it's always super creepy to me in sports games where they have like like. Uh, dynamic sweat shader yeah. and all this other stuff, and then, like, the character's hands aren't fully animated. Yeah. So you have all these, like, really realistic-looking people, and they have, like, these weird, like, neat hands, yeah. you know? And they're just, like, waving around. And it's really scary. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be... I don't think NBA 2K is supposed to be, like... Yeah. ...deeply creepy, but, uh, like, I definitely find it disturbing. Um, but... Uh, it seems like that's a thing that can happen with a person that you put into a game. Mm-hmm. There can be a personality that would have that mm-hmm. quality.
0: Yeah, and that's why playtesting is really important with these kinds of games. Like, And not just playtesting for your mechanics, but playtesting for how people are uh, interpreting your character's motives or thoughts you know like i'm always like oh if i'm playtesting i'm like oh what do you think she's thinking or like how do you feel about her as a person which is also for the guy like i want to get both sides this would
1: frequently not be a problem in a game because the game would just tell you yeah (laughs) Yeah. they'd be like this person is bad guy yeah and they are mad
0: yeah (laughs) it usually is kind of very straightforward like that but that's just not the kind of game i make i guess or yeah I'm interested in making I think it's fine
1: so as as soon as you move out of uh having a very clear cut character with clear mm-hmm. motivations then yeah, yeah you, know, you actually do have to play test the same way you would oh how are the um you know are the mechanics um both do people understand them and mm-hmm. are they producing the feelings that I want them to Yeah. now that has to be done for uh The way that the characters are being drawn through Mm -hmm. language, through their behavior Mm -hmm. and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) I mean, I think it's kind of funny because How Do You Do It was a game that just kind of happened. Like, I barely thought about it Mm. Um, because it was just this one little story. And I think maybe I had enough critical distance from that because I was such a young child and I've thought about it enough to have... Mm a pretty good picture of it and to know exactly what I wanted to evoke. Whereas yeah. with Sybil, this is an experience I had when I was, like, 18 or 19, which I don't have as much critical distance from. So yeah. I have to go sort of through these extra steps of, like, checking myself.
1: So this, is a, this I mean, it, it sounds like a process of, like, actually um, uh, a, a problem that I've had on game designs unrelated to characters entirely. It's a design problem, period, <laughs> is this thing where... Um, Sometimes you build a thing and it just works. That's great. Usually yeah. it's because you do kind of like, uh, even if it's not explicit, you get it. You know what all the moving pieces do. Yeah. Cannonball was like that. It was like I a lot of Super Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I get these three building blocks. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Um, and as I started building bigger things, it's becoming more and more obvious that um, a, a clear lack of understanding is a big. It sounds painfully obvious, but not understanding what you're doing makes it really hard to do a thing. But when you're talking about a design that you're making or a memory that you had, I think it's very counterintuitive that you can simultaneously make a game, have a memory, not understand them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to ever really understand anything about yourself unless you put effort into thinking about it. So... I think that's what you, I think that's what you mean, right? Yeah, but that you, is, because
1: you can, it can require an enormous amount of effort. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, and I think for a thing that you already that. experienced,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you're like I that happened to me. That doesn't. It. I feel like I often feel like that implies that I understand it. Yeah, and it does not. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's even worse. It's like uh, I feel like it's the things I. The, a lot of the things I build are not based on a memory. And I'm still having a lot of trouble mm-hmm. with not fully understanding all the movie yeah, pieces. But exactly. I feel like Sybil maybe has both things going on mm-hmm. where there's, like, a memory that you're understanding more and more as the game is mm-hmm. built. Yeah. Um, and then the same process happening for the game itself. Oh, yeah, Even absolutely. though the game is a created thing, not uh, something that necessarily happened to you. Mm-hmm. Like, the game is a thing that you are producing. Mm-hmm. I'm... Do you feel like, even though you're producing it, that you do not understand it fully yet?
0: Yeah, I, well, so in the process right now, I have a very clear idea of the completed game. I know what I want mm. at this point. But when, and now we're just like, it's just like in the phase where we're like just finishing building it. And it, it kind of worked that way because the act that you played uh, is, uh, it's not done, but like the mechanics are all there, you know. Um, and the second two acts are the same mechanics, just different story, different level, look, yeah. whatever. But yeah. the mechanics are there. And when I was developing, so I had the idea before I had the mechanics, and I the original prototype was like so terrible. It was like <laughs> you clicked to control this avatar, and there was like a weird chat, and you're reading the chat and listening to them talk. But they were just talking and it just wasn't even clear like that it related to the gameplay at all like to the app that the avatar was the girl voice and yeah the one was the guy and but i was like i'm making this game i know i'm making it but i just have to figure out what it is and i think that that's something that i've heard a lot of designers say where they're like i know i'm making a game yeah. But I don't know what it is. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's game design. Like, you have to yeah. figure out what your game is. And that's when you do all your design work. <laughs> yeah. I think. At least that's how it works for me. Like, I, I have an idea. And I don't think this is how it is for everyone. But for me, I come up with an idea. And my design process is just trying to, like, make that idea come across as clearly as possible. Yeah. Um, and for Sybil, that was just, like, going from a totally not readable game where the characters talking didn't seem to relate to the gameplay at all and figuring out what pieces i need to put together to bring the player to that understanding and that it's, was what it is amazing how much
1: the little there are these little cues in the game where the characters having a conversation that is maybe not entirely related to what's going on in the mm-hmm. in the game in the game uh, and then one of them will, um, in a way it sounds very natural if you've played online games before, but suddenly uh, there is what is ostensibly a non sequitur, like, nice hit. Yeah. And they're talking about the game that's being played and then the timing on it is perfect and it like it anchors all of that stuff um, so that you can tell that they're connected. But it's funny because the, their, the way it's built is the... Th- the things that they say that are about the game feel like a non sequitur in the middle of the story part that really matters, which is very weird, perceptually.
0: Yeah, putting that in was really important, too, because it just serves to give context and to bring the player back down to earth, because it's easy. I mean, because when you're playing this online game and talking to someone... If you're having a relationship like that with the person, you're probably not only going to be talking about the game. In fact, you're probably just going to be talking to each other about whatever, just like anyone, any teenager that's flirting would do, or any person. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, it's, the player will get absorbed in that conversation, and I really want to keep bringing them back. To the context of, remember you're a girl sitting at a computer playing a game, yeah. talking over a headset, or whatever. yeah, there's a,
1: it's just feel it feels very human to me. Like even I had a, a, at one point I worked as a saute cook, cool at a restaurant, right? Uh, not for it's not for a super long time, but it was really interesting. But it had the same quality where you'd just be bored and chattering and yeah. whatever, but then you would have to occasionally. Verbally acknowledge, like, oh, don't don't turn that on, you'll burn your face off, yeah. or you know, be careful with that. Can you hand me that yeah. thing? And it all is like weaving through the flow of conversation. Yeah. But I think it's a subtle thing that you don't um, you don't think about very often, and I feel like it doesn't come across in a lot of a lot of I feel like a lot of game language and dialogue and story is almost minimalist in the wrong way, where only the only things in the game are things that are related to the on screen action. So, like. The normal video game version of Sybil mm-hmm. would be only nice hit,
0: yeah. Good job. <laughs>
1: oh, I got the points, yeah. And that would be it. And, uh, and I think it would go unquestioned. It would sort of be like that's the right way to do it, yeah. And what that really is is this weird, uncanny valley of being people, mm-hmm. where that's not, that's not what they would, yeah. They're people. That's yeah, weird. They like want to talk, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like even if you're talking to someone that you're not in a relationship with online, you just want to talk to them because you're both. I don't know, like, what do you, like, you're in a room with a person, you're going to chat with them, you know? Like, it's just, an online game isn't really that different in that in that way, I think. Especially when you're given a way to speak vocally. But even when you're just typing, people are just chatting about stuff. You mm-hmm. really get to know people, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? So I wanted to get that across. It was important.
1: It's working. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, really I'm excited neat. about it. Um, let's see. I think I'm... Pretty much, uh, out of questions and things. Cool. Um, yes. Yeah, was really there anything else you chat. wanted to add? Um, is there anything that we, some big important idea that we just, yeah, blew past?
0: I don't know. I just there's so many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about vignette games, which is what I really like to talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess um, you know I'm really interested in making vignette games and. Almost all of the ones I've made in my personal work have been autobiographical. And I don't think that's necessarily tied to the idea of a vignette game. You can Mm -hmm. make a vignette about something that's not about yourself. And I just like to say that because if I always point to my own work as an example of vignette games, then you're always in autobiographical vignettes. But that's certainly not the only Now game I want to either.
1: make a vignette game about just being a dog. Yeah, you
0: could. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that like that, uh, what's his name? Um, shoot, I'm blanking out of his name. New York, he made the dog park game for No Quarter.
1: Oh, Kevin. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That, like, I don't know if that's a vignette game, but I feel like there's something there that's vignette-like. Yeah. Like just being dogs playing in a park. Yeah. Like, oh, I love that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I always like to say that because just in, in my personal work, I'm really interested in autobiographical stuff because I. It's just easier to draw from my own life experience, and I enjoy doing that, so I do mm-hmm. it. I just want to do it. Um, but I see a lot of interesting potential for making vignette games about ordinary experiences that go beyond just like a person um, or anything. Like I think somebody had
1: something just went up today. That's there's it's a vignette game about. Uh, being in the, quote being in the audience at the end of a performance mm-hmm. and it's a first person clapping <laughs> game. That's awesome. <laughs> that's just the thing. And I was like, that's weird. And I kind of thought about it. I'm like, no, that is like that's a feeling. Like you could that's a thing that you could make. You could evoke that. Yeah. I mean, and it's that's such a thing that you thing. like. And, and actually, just... and you know what? You know what is a vignette game? Is the entertainment.
0: I don't think I've
1: played. that. Uh, it's the. Second Kentucky Route Zero interlude, oh, or the third Oh home? yeah,
0: yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. That's I a mean, vignette Rose, game. The interludes are definitely them, They call games. them vignettes, don't they? I think
1: totally like they call them interludes. Maybe I. They're totally vignettes. the to yeah.
0: Past, but yeah, they're definitely. And also, like, I think. Oh, this is something I love to tell people. So I am really obsessed with Final Fantasy X. I think it's the game that got me into games, and mm. I've been replaying it recently. And. I think I now kind of understand why I like that game so much, which is that as I was, for example, I was moving through, I believe it's Kilika Island is one of the spaces in that game, and it has recently been destroyed, and you're walking through it, and you can kind of just like walk through and go to the next cutscene, but you can Mm -hmm. also explore this destroyed village, Um, and if you go into it, there's a child stuck in a hut that's about to collapse, and if you walk over to the child, a little... Not a cutscene, but like just a little interaction happens where the hut starts to fall and your character saves the child. And then the child's like, thanks. And if you follow, the child starts to run away. If you follow the child, which you don't have to, you then go have a conversation with the child and the sister and they kind of talk with you and thank you and uh, like talk about their family or huh. whatever and it's just this little vignette of like saving this child and then meeting the child's family. Yeah. And I then after I saw that, I deliberately started playing that game and looking for these other little vignettes. And huh. they're like all over the place. So uh, something weird. I also like to think about is how designers can use vignettes within the like within a game as like little pieces of it, like little moments. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that. Final Fantasy X did pretty well, um, huh. and is something that I love about that game. Uh, just lots of stuff that you can go do that provides more context for the world and for the characters at the same time. It's really nice. I like it.
1: Oh, man. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the thing yeah. I'll to last is... Uh, I haven't been doing this on all of them, and if we don't have a good idea for this, it's totally fine, but um, something I'm, I'm just interested in is is... Uh, can you think of an instance where you had to, quote unquote, break a rule in order for your game to work and kind of make sense to itself? So the dumb example I use is in Cannonball, we put in these crates and you trip over a crate and you slow down and the game gets easier when you do that. And you can kind of do it as much as you want. Yeah. And it seemed like a really bad idea because it's supposed to be an arcade game that gets harder as you go. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, it's like, oh no, you get to play at your own pace. And that's a really positive experience Mm -hmm. for literally everyone. All we're doing is putting choice in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And that being a case of like, oh, if we had done the thing that made a lot of sense, uh, it would have sucked. Is there something like that from your own work that you think of is like some of you were like oh we should really do this the right way but yeah uh."
0: yeah actually an example does come to mind um there's a game I've done this in a couple games but one example is this game called Ladylike that I did that's about it's a little vignette game about a time where I was driving around in the car with my mom um and she and I are just talking so it's like about a car ride with my mom when I was a kid and at the end of the game you end up in a place Sometimes the mall, sometimes a dressing room at a store, uh, sometimes a supermarket. You end up just in a place that you were driving to, and mm-hmm. you have a little scene there with your mom. And for that game, most of the game is like a little text game where you're kind of your mom is saying something to you and then you can choose what to say back. You, mm-hmm. There's usually like th- two or three choices as to what you can say. And that is sort of like... It seems like it would be a branching narrative, right? Like, you choose one thing and that puts you down a different road of the narrative and you get a different ending or whatever. Right, right. But the way I ended up doing it was more like a web. So there is no, like... There are, like, branches, but they all connect back and you can kind of, like, traverse this, like, tree of branches that all are, like, connected. Hmm. And there's no, like... There's not multiple endings, like, you do end up in different places at the end, but it's actually randomly picked. Hmm. There's always, like, kind of one ending spot. Um, or not one ending spot, but... There are a couple places where you can break out, but that there's no clear path to them, you just end up at them. Hmm. By traversing this, like, web, instead of doing a traditional tree. Yeah. Um, and... When I was first writing that game, like, all the dialogue and and, uh, response choices for that, I was like, oh, I'll have each place that she ends up at, it'll be because you said a different thing, and it led you down that branch, like, in the traditional way. Yeah. But that just wasn't as interesting to me, because I was like, I just want to explore this general idea of a conversation with my mom, which has many forms, like, you can talk to her about boys, you can talk about your weight, you can talk about... There's, like... Lots of different things. And I was like, I don't want to make players just have one part of that conversation. I want to let them explore the conversation freely. Right, Um, right. So I decided not to go the branching path because I liked the idea of exploring the conversation as a whole, rather than experiencing different conversations, like, explicitly every time you play. Yeah,
1: so not a tree, not a line, some kind of other weird structure. Yeah, like a spider's web. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, so that was something i guess i broke that rule of branching narrative yeah (laughs) and i was really happy with how that came out um because i like being able to kind of explore a conversation rather than uh silo a player into like having one choice impact that whole conversation i want them to be able to move freely yeah cool thanks
1: cool thank you so much this Mm -hmm. was fantastic yeah it
0: was fun um thanks for playing sybil